Hi and welcome to The Extra Time, your weekly show brought to you by The Final Whistle, uh, where we zoom in on special topics. I am Deepan and I'm joined by Kabir. Uh, interesting episode we have today. We are focusing on footballers here in Singapore and why um, some of them lack a strong mindset. Um, Kabir, I know we watch Singapore football closely and we know that most of the footballers have the ability, um, but something seems to be missing sometimes for them to go the extra yard. Um, you know, I I am closer to some of the footballers and, you know, I've seen them play in, in trainings as well where they really have the quality, but somehow, you know, they always feel comfortable in what they're doing and they don't take the extra yard uh, to progress the careers. Um, do you agree with me on that? I kind of agree. Um, I think it's a lot of things. Um, I think in general, athletes, in general, they work on themselves at their own pace, at their own time. And very different from what, from our, our the paces that we set for ourselves every mm-hmm. day. And it's, um, there's also a lot of pressure for on these athletes to perform. And while football is a team sport, things can get quite lonely. And I think it's extremely important that players that get, get some guidance on how to get to that next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially what you talked about, right? Guidance. And joining us on today's episode is Rory Winters, founder of Edge of the Box Mentoring. Uh, Rory is a former professional footballer who now works as a mentor and coach to young professional footballers. Rory, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, guys. First and foremost, you know, what is your background? What brought you here to Singapore? Okay, so I've been in Singapore around about three years now. Um, I initially came over to go and play professional football in Australia, actually. Um, and my best friend was already living in Singapore. I asked to stop over for a couple of weeks on the way over, just a bit of fitness training. And all of a sudden, Singapore became the best option. Um, I ended up working as a personal trainer, um, which wasn't necessarily a passion, wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the offer in Australia was over in um, a small town. Even the manager was kind of persuading me not to go if mm-hmm. Singapore became a reality. And here I am three years later. Um, footballing wise background, I've been in football since I was eight. I uh, love the game as much as you guys, I'm sure. Um, I spent seven or eight years at Preston North End, my hometown club, um, moved to Oldham Athletic and then on to Morecambe, um, all the time facing rejection, getting released, being told you're not good enough from the age of eight. I remember one one time being put in a C group. There was an A, B and C group when I was eight years old mm-hmm. um, and how much that affected me. Even at eight, I was being deemed not good enough. Um, so the whole way through my career, yeah, I've been kind of always told you're good, but you're not quite going to make it. And I think that is what held me back from actually kicking on mm-hmm. professionally in England. I was close, but didn't ever quite reach the heights I thought I could have when I was 16. Um, and yeah, it's been a, it's been a long old journey to this point, but coaching became as many probably former footballers or I don't like using the word failed, but failed footballers do. I went down the coaching route and it's, one that I find a lot of joy out of, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you started the Edge of the Box men- Mentoring. Um, what is that? So, Edge of the Box Mentoring is it's a format set up. So, it's, as I was saying earlier off, off record, um, it was set up initially to go and help those footballers released um, from professional clubs in England. So, that was my original attention. Um, I was in their position in lockdown over here. I had time to reconnect with a lot of my former teammates. Um and it was shocking where a lot of the guys have ended up. So you go from being a professional footballer at 18, the world at your feet, to all of a sudden being 18 and a half and you're released. And 
I mean, some of them are in prison now for armed robbery, uh, drug dealing. They're trying to replicate that buzz that you can't really replicate anywhere else than running out in front of 15,000, 20,000 fans. Um, I myself, my own story, I was playing against Man United on a Tuesday night for the reserves at Oldham. Uh, played really well, Mark Danny Welbeck. I've got the videotape still. I, I played played well at right back. Um, the day after was the day we got told whether we'd being kept on or not. I was released. The week after that, I was working in McDonald's frying chicken nuggets, no word of a lie. Um, so the the roller coaster of emotions I went through and the feel of not being good enough, it still resonates in me now. Um, I still have this in a day-to-day basis of not feeling good enough sometimes. And I think that affects you mentally massively. And I wanted to prevent that. Um, so that was my original intention. Spoke with some guys back in England. I have to be in England to deliver that program. It's, you got to be a face. So I looked at the Singaporean football world and um, it's not one I was too familiar with at all. Despite being here three years, I've watched a few S League games. I didn't really buy into the whole package. Um, as you were talking about at the start, there's something seems to be missing mm-hmm. uh, when I was watching it. But having just dipped my toe in, and that's as far as I've got right now, there is a hell of a lot of talent here. And there is also a lot of work to be done on the mindset thing, as we were talking about at the start, um, which I think Edge of the Box can really help with. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about helping with the mindset, um, what is the work that you actually want to do with these uh, footballers who come to you to get them ticking? Yeah, so at the moment, I'm working with a few of the Young Lions guys and a couple of the Fandy brothers coming in uh, this week starting. Now, this work is because it's personal and it's face-to-face and it's off-season. Um, it's kind of tailored to these guys developing their physical strength and those sort of attributes. But what they probably don't realize that I'm doing is I'm really pushing them beyond their limits, beyond their capabilities mentally in every single session and making them think about things they've probably not thought about before. I'm giving them that determination. Now I'm working in a gym facility where I might put them on an air bike and they will have to push and push and push in a three minute fitness test. As I'm doing that, I'm assessing which ones are capable of pushing more and more. And there is one lad, in, I won't name any names here. There's one lad in particular who pushes every single session beyond what he thought he was capable of every time. Um, so he's got a tangible sort of mental strength that I can see. I'm not saying the other lads don't, they do as well, but there is more to work on with four or five of the group than there is with one of the group. So that work now becomes a bit more individualistic. Um, so I'm developing a program that looks at developing that positive mindset, but also a bit of grit and determination and desire in these guys. They have the ability to go and play in Europe. I've played in North America professionally. They have the ability to go and play there. There is a world of football out there beyond Singapore. They can go and play elsewhere in Asia and really just expand the horizons, but they have to have that, that nasty streak is what I call it. And I think I can try and develop that in the most friendly way possible. I don't want to make them go and kick their grandma, mm-hmm. but I do want them to go and kick their grandma if they need to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to make them horrible to each other. I want them to compete with each other healthily. Um, and I want them to be able to really dig into what it is that they want. Now, not everyone wants to be a footballer in Cambodia or in Thailand or Malaysia, but these guys have that potential and they also have the opportunity to go and do it. Is there any harm in me making them see that? and go and expand. And is that going to strengthen the Singaporean national team? I'd argue that it will for, for sure. Just, just give them more opportunities, uh, but that belief that they, they need to have, mm-hmm. um, there, a lot of the guys are in national service at the moment. And that becomes the number one priority for these guys, which is completely understandable. It's not a culture I've grown up in. 
So I'm learning a hell of a lot of them guys as well and how that forms their mindset. And they have to be so determined to go and do that every day. It's not something I'd want to do, particularly back in England, if that was the case. Um, so they're really showing me and opening my mind to what makes them tick. And I'm having to adapt all the time. And I want them to adapt to my my sort of line of thinking and seeing if this British mentality, you've all seen the Vinnie Jones videos. I'm not Vinnie Jones, but just give that bit of grit and determination mm -hmm. that, Maybe even being brought up in Singapore, you don't necessarily have it. I'm here because it's a beautiful place. And I know there is grit and there's a hell of a lot of hard, hard places and hard times you'll have to live through as a human being anywhere in the world. But I think these guys that I'm working with in particular, they have it nice. They've seen the pathway from the start and there might not be that competition that one of the Stuart brothers, for instance, might face in England if there's another 10 lads that are just as good as you. Mm -hmm. Whereas here they are the cream of the crop and there isn't that person who's right breathing down the neck ready to push them on you talked about the, the whole nasty streak that, that's needed right um, and it reminds me of uh, Jose Mourinho talking about it to to his first players uh, during the documentary uh, it be a bunch of C yeah, words, C -words right? <laughs> um, why, why is that important though I mean why why do you have to be nasty to be successful it's a great question and it's one that I think I failed at as a footballer myself um if I'd have known that at 19, like the Stuart brothers are, for instance, or Karan, who's a young, younger lad, if I knew the answer to that at that age, I think I'd still be playing professionally now. Um, why do you need it? Because everyone else has got it. If you're going to go and compete at the top level, you see Mourinho speaking with Deli Ali. Now he is superb footballer, you know. I couldn't lace his boots, none of us could. But he's missing something. Has he been playing with Mourinho recently? I don't think he's been, he's been in and out. This guy is a guy that Alex Ferguson is saying on that show go and sign him, go and sign him, go and sign him. He has question marks over him because he's, he doesn't have that grit. I think he wants to look good and play nicey-nice, which which happens. But I think at that top level in anything, whether it's business, football, policing, whatever you want to talk about, I think these guys at the top just have to have, you can call it nastiness, you can call it will to win, you can call it desire, you can call it just being better every single day. I don't. I think nasty is just a, it's a strong word to use and mm -hmm. it, it hits a nerve. Based on your your interaction so far with not just the young Lions footballers but uh, Singaporeans in general in in the sporting world, um, do you feel like it's quite glaring that they don't have that 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 H? You would say. I don't think it's glaring. These guys, you know, I think it surprised me how much they do have. I thought I, come, I was coming into this program development thinking, I'm going to test you so much on the first session, you won't come back, and they all come back and they come back with smiles on their faces and willing to work. So. Not necessarily. I think, obviously, being an expat here, a lot of my clients in my day job are expats as well. And I do find that in the expat environment, there is a hell of a lot of kids that are being brought up with so much privilege over in Singapore that I didn't have back in the UK, for sure. I'm from a small, rough northern town where you had to fight for everything you got. Um, a lot of these guys, and this is fantastic for them, they're going to have opportunities for the rest of their lives. But yeah, I do see there is... You could call it privilege, you could call it entitlement, you could call it just being born in an area that's very, very nice. Um, yeah, I think there's, there is missing parts of it in Singapore. I've, I feel myself, when I moved back to London last year to work with the Premier League, I was walking through a park in London on edge at times, just because I'm looking around thinking, geez, this is real life again. Like, Singapore is so comfortable and it's a beautiful, beautiful place. But yeah, there is, I think there is something in the culture here that is missing or that I have, have yet to tap into. But to answer your question about the football lads, no, they have it. I just want to have give them a bit more so they can have that belief to go and kick on somewhere else. When you when you meet these uh, footballers, do you think that they may not have some? They may not have that grit 
or do you think it, everyone has it and they, they bought, you're born with it? I mean, I think to get to the level any of these guys, they're playing professional football in Singapore, so they must have had something. You can't just rely on your ability all the way through because you have to make that start in 11 every week, right? You have to be good enough to get a new contract extension. So football's football no matter where it is in the world, especially at a professional level. Um, they had it in, well, the guys I'm working with have it in spades. They keep coming back. There are differences, and this is a big thing I found in priorities. So even though these guys are playing professional level, I think for the young lines to kick on and go and have a successful career, they're going to have to make a conscious decision soon. Do I go the education route after I finish NS or do I stick with football? So there's one lad has sort of stepped back a little bit in some of these sessions to concentrate on his studies with his IB coming up, um, which is more than understandable and something I'd encourage to look at beyond football. But if you're going to be a footballer, you're going to have to be a footballer because there is no other... You are blinkered. You have to be. That's that nasty side. That means you can't go out on a Friday night with the rest of your mates because you've got to be in, in my eyes, having your pasta and going to bed early. You can't, you're you going to have to make sacrifices. Um, and these guys have their up with me at 6am in the morning to come down to Queenstown Track to a running session. I'm sure that isn't pleasant. It's not what they want to be doing. It's hard enough for me to get out of bed sometimes to go and do that with them. So they've got it. I just want to give them more. And I think that's extra, you know, the marginal gains you hear over and over the cliches, but that extra 5%, 10% that they can get out of my work and our work together, I hope can give them that impetus to go and push on like Ixan has and go and play in Europe, uh, where I think the standard of football will just, will push them on a bit further and hopefully give the national team here a bit more uh, talent as well. You you talked about, you know, you starting this edge of the box mentoring itself. Um, do you feel like um, players, not just in Singapore, but in a general capacity, they don't really um, use these services or, or take the extra step to take care of their careers? I mean, we see a lot in England, but that's the elite level, right? But in Asia, uh, in other parts of the world, do you feel like players don't take the extra initiative? Yeah, I think as a footballer, you have an image that you have to protect and there's a stigma around men's men and mental health as well. And I think I kind of attach onto the back end of that. Um whereby do you want to be seen as being weak, going to see someone who's going to mentor you? Um, or are you just going to stay solely with the football club? You're going to do your training. You might do a little bit outside of it just to tick a box again and and be good enough just to be good enough. Um, I think it's everywhere. I think in England as well. I think the professional clubs recently have stepped up the mark um, of working at the Premier League clubs last year. The amount of support staff they've got is ridiculous. Um, there's tons of support staff everywhere. The sports psychologists are now in every single professional club in England. Um, so yeah, it's it's stepping up. But I think everywhere, as a, as a man, I think you, we don't talk enough. And to have someone like myself who's lived their journey and had made it, didn't make it, faced rejection, faced great times as well. I think just someone relatable uh, for sure would, will benefit them. It, whether they're getting it enough now, no, I don't think they are. Having having worked in Singapore and looking at the scene, do you think that um sport psychology is still something that maybe people are still looking at it, looking at it as bro science or maybe something that is not too important? Yeah, I think it's in its infancy everywhere, uh, especially within football. Um, everywhere, you mean even in? I think in even the back UK. home in England. Yeah, uh, I've got a good friend who's a, a real good sports psychologist. Um, he's worked with Everton. He worked with Belgium at the World Cup. Um, and he's saying even at that level where they are brought in and paid, he's paid a lot of money. He works at the, with golfer, with Tommy Fleetwood, a, a real good golfer. He said the difference between golf 
And football is huge. It's vast. Now, golf's a, a one-man game, right? And you need that sports psychologist for the final putts or whatever it might be. But as we were saying before, a footballer is also an individual as well. Um, why are they not doing it? Why are they not receiving that help? I don't know. I think it's in its infancy everywhere. But I think men's mental health is only getting bigger and is growing in that mindset. I think it's it's a real an area of, that's going to going to explode soon. And if the guys in Singapore... I'm not an expert in sports psychology, but if they can start with me at least and open some some of their mind, then maybe there's more of a buy-in longer term with with someone who's professionally trained in it. Yeah, you know, with these kind of services, I would say that um, people are always apprehensive because it's not been done before, right? And then it's hard to get your foot into the door. Um, have you have you faced that? Have you faced like you know trying to to reach out to to clubs here or maybe the the FA here and not really had a chance to to show what um your services can do? Yeah, I think I've, I mean, I'm no businessman as we talked about before as well. So Instagram is a whole new game for me. I don't even have a personal account. Um, so I've been contacting a few guys on Instagram. Um, that's my only method. And the stumbling block actually seems to be kind of a price range for it rather than the actual service it's provided. So the question I get asked most is how much is a session? Now, to me, the session's a nominal fee. I'd rather put that money back into the game if 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 you want um i want to help these guys get better obviously i need to pay my bills as well um but the biggest question is that and that's what kind of worries me because the question shouldn't necessarily be about the money it's a sacrifice a small one um but what it should be about is what are you going to do for me the guy the first guy who asked me that i'll give a free session because you're soon going to realize that this is worthwhile um but yeah the the question i've encountered a lot is sort of one one of price in terms of the fa and working with the club it comes down to visa regulations and as a as an expat myself I, i'm going to struggle to get an ep pass to be able to work on these clubs so working as a consultant will be better um but as as we talked about i want to work with as many footballers in singapore as possible at the professional level or those aspiring to be and i want them to be hopefully this will give give my name out there i want them to come to me it has to be and this is one thing I realized with the Young Lions guys, it's on them to turn up every time. I can facilitate it and I will do my utmost and best to make them better. But if they come with a bad attitude, they're going to have a bad session. It's all it's that mindset again. Um, I hope the scope for it. I hope that clubs can embrace what I'm doing. I hope that even if they see it and take some sort of worth out of it and employ someone else to do it, I'm more than happy to come and speak with as many coaches as possible to not educate them because they're educated as they are, but to give them a few a few pointers and what I see as being key areas to target. Yeah, yeah. I hope that Singapore football can really embrace it as as we go. I'm going to play devil's advocate here a bit, right? So uh, if I'm a potential listener, I'm, I'm listening in to, to what you're saying right now. Um, what if I, as a footballer, and I think that, hmm, yeah, I want to I want to step out of my comfort zone. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. I'm going to go for uh, maybe a five kilometers run uh, at 6 a.m. in the morning. How is that different from um, contacting you and, and going uh, working with you, you would say? Yeah, that's a good question. So getting up at 6 a.m. is great and going for a 5K run is great. I'll do football-specific work, primarily as a physical side of it. But mentally, I don't think you can beat having a, someone almost as a, as a guide, as we talked about before, or as someone to push you who knows what it feels like. Anything I do with these guys, I've done myself as a professional or I've read studies on it that have improved it since I was playing professionally. So the work we'll do is is really going to, it's going to tap into your mind. I'm going to push you to a point where you are, I mean, the guys are, it's not great from a sports science perspective, but a few of them have vomited um, in these sessions yet. 
without me there, I don't think they ever got to that stage. You wouldn't have known what that feels like. Then transfer that to the 85th minute of a game and you've got to make that last minute run. Now, as you, if you're doing it as part of a team on a training session, fantastic if you're at your professional club. What are you doing outside to make yourself better? And I can, I do believe, do more than a program online or more than an Instagram video that you see Cristiano Ronaldo doing from a technique point of view. But mentally, it really is. It's, it's tapping into a part of the brain that I don't think many people are aware even exists. And it sounds a little bit like some magic pill sort of stuff. It isn't. It's, it's more... I know where you're at because I've been there myself and I know that you've got 10% more to give. And I know that if you can push inside a gym, that isn't a great environment. It's not a footballer's zone. You're definitely going to be able to do it out on a pitch. And if you see my ugly face telling you to screaming at you when you're in that 85th minute and you're going to make that last minute run, well then fair play, then I've worked, right? My, men my mental side of things has worked. And I would hope that the guys from Young Lions who are training with me at the moment will back that up. They've been pushed beyond anything. They've maybe been pushed with a trainer before, but also in football as well. Um, and I think it's that that regular sort of football. It is a team game, so you want to be in a squad of small a small squad of players to push each other on and and have someone overseeing you to do that. Yeah, just want to bring you in on some comments um, that that I saw recently uh, back in in November, uh, where Aurelio Vidma, the Lion City Silvers coach, came out to say that you know he felt that local footballers and teams have to step out of the comfort zone and up the tempo of the game. Uh, from your perspective, um, do you feel this whole analogy of stepping out of your comfort zone comes from within yourself or it's because of the players around you and then you step out of the comfort zone together? I think it has to come from within initially because you can blame the players around you, the tempo, but I'm sure if you spoke with Roy Keane, he would tell you that he was the one who was driving them sessions. Um, and he was in a good group of players, of course, they all wanted to win, but there has to be a focal point, I think. And that why should that not be you? I think that was my mistake, is that I sat in my comfort zone as a young player, I was quite quiet, I was a defender. Um, and my feedback constantly was, you need to be the voice. You need to be that one who's demanding and, and, and calling your teammates. And I felt uncomfortable doing that because I was like, oh, I'm not sure I have the ability to do that. Now, if, you have, if I had someone like myself, to, uh, sounds a bit arrogant that, but if I had someone like myself who was 30 years old, he'd been there and done it when I was 17, 18, telling me, okay, it doesn't really matter what happens on that pitch. For 90 minutes, you be that guy. And as soon as you get off it, you can be the quiet you again. Well then, because if you don't do it, you're not going to make it, then I think I'd have listened straight away. Sometimes it's good to have an impartial voice away from the club who I have no vested interest in. I'm not an agent. I'm not going to give them a contract next season. I just want them to be better and to broaden their horizons. Um, whether that means getting a two-year deal instead of a one-year deal, whether that means an extra bit of in your salary, whether that means that you're going to score 10 goals rather than nine, next, I hope I can improve them that way. The comfort zone, I think Singapore breeds comfort. I think it's the most comfortable place in the world to live. Um, and I think it's a small league with a select group of players. I know playing non-league football in the northwest of England that I'm sure it's very similar to the Singaporean circle where players move around clubs like merry-go-round and you all know each other. It's high fives before a game. It's gone for beers after the game. And next week, next season, I might be playing on your team. Where does that competition come from? If it's not coming from within, are you going to go and kick your mate on a Saturday afternoon? Because you might end up playing with him next season. It's very small, secular sort of uh, environment, I feel. So it has to come from within, within these individuals, yeah. Well said. Um, you have worked in a Premier League setting before. Um, I know it's a bit harsh to to ask this question, but you know what sets the Premier League players apart uh, when you compare them to players here? I think I see it to some extent with the guys I'm working with now at Young Lions who have 
the ability. I'm not saying they have Premier League ability, but they have a lot of ability. Um, it's a selfish nature. That I know. The, I mean, there's the two brothers that come in, so there's naturally going to be that sort of banter and and that firing. And them two, the competition between them two is fierce, and it's great to watch. But there's also this friendliness. And at the Premier League clubs, I did not see that. So we do, for instance, a yo-yo test was one of the tests, the battery of tests they did. They didn't speak before it. I remember, I think it was Fulham I was at and not one of the lads spoke before. And I was like, whoa, it's a strange environment. They don't, after it, they're all smiles. But in that, they had to win. One of them was going to win and they pushed and pushed and pushed. Um, I think same at West Ham when I went in there. Those lads were running through you could see they'd hit that point where they could not run anymore, but because their mate or the teammate next to them, who they're vying for a contract with, was kept running. They would keep running and they would push. After it, they would collapse. Now, I don't know in Singapore, I don't know the game well enough here, if you're going to see that. If I went and did a battery fitness test at one of the clubs, I don't know if I'd see that level of dedication. By the same token, if I went into a championship club in England or a League One club, would I see it? I don't know. I think that top level is, they are wired in because it comes back to the question you asked. They're driving themselves. It's it's within. I do believe it's within. And that's the difference. All right. You know, thank you so much for, for sharing your insights with us so far. Uh, but in terms of how listeners, be it footballers, coaches, how can they get in touch with you to perhaps try out um, Edge of the Box Mentoring? Yeah, so the easiest way to get in touch is via Instagram, at Edge of the Box Mentoring. Um, my website is also up there. Um, that is a basic overview and that's going to give some profiles of the players I've been working with and the work we've been doing. Uh, it's also got a little bit about me on there if you want to read up any more about my past, which will bore you all to tears. Good bedtime reading. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the best way is, is to reach out via Instagram. Just just send a direct message and uh, slide into these DMs and I'll, uh, I'll send a response <laughs> back. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insights in terms of mental and, and footballers. Uh, we hope that, you know, people will listen to this and uh, perhaps give an importance into the whole mental aspect of footballers and, and the game itself and push them out of the comfort zone. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank Thanks you. for coming.